I want to just read uh, the Word of God real quick because Paul was telling us uh, how we should live. And I'm going to lace this together um, in a moment uh, in talking about, in spite of the fact that we have some questions, uh, let's make sure we're staying laser-focused on Jesus Christ and our relationship with Him. That's going to be the, the premise of the talk today, but let me read this opening scripture to you. It's Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. It reads like this, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. And so he's saying, uh, I, I, there is, uh, life is like a race. And I am laser focused on that finish line. I stay focused on it. And I, in, in some of the versions of Bible that you guys have, it says that he strains forward. He strains towards the finish line. He's looking forward to that moment. And I want to show you a, a visual illustration uh, about what he's saying real quick. Uh, I've got a rope here. And um, I'd like for you guys to imagine that this rope goes from here uh, to Mars and then beyond. It just goes forever and ever and ever. There is not an end to this rope. And I want you to see this rope as the timeline for your life. That there's not an end to it. It's going to go forever and ever and ever. Now, this red part of the rope is your time here on earth. And I hope that by the conclusion of this message today, that you and I get better at doing what Paul talked about. Staying laser-focused on the fact that life is a race and it's coming to a conclusion. And it's very uh, uh, troubling when we spend our whole life plotting and planning for this portion of the timeline. When, when I get right here, I want to have this much money. And, and when I get right here, I, wanna, I, wanna, um, I want to retire and, and I want to live here. And, and we invest our whole life for that one part. Our whole life in people that are consumed with this part, look at other people that are consumed with this part and they think that they're crazy. But the people that are consumed with this part look back and go, but this, the Bible says this, it's like fog that appears for a moment and then vanishes. But here's the key, how we spend this part determines this. And so Paul is saying, I'm straining. I'm staying focused. I'm straining. And if you're taking notes today, I hope you are. Please write this down as your first note, that every decision we make either has regret 
attached to it. Or there's happiness attached to it. Every decision we make, when we cross that finish line, we are going to back up and go, I wish while I was here. There's going to be rejoicing or regret. Rejoicing or I wish while I was here, I would have done some other things with my money that would have impacted this. I wish I would have done some other things with my time that would have impacted this. But I got so consumed in making deals with God that hey, if you help me here, then, then I'll help you there. And, and if you help me here, then... Uh, the, no, 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 no. Paul's saying, let's be focused on the fact that life is just a race and strain forward towards it. Now, it's my hope that um, by the end of the day today, I'll be able to answer some big questions um, that can help us just kind of take them off our radar so that we can stay focused. Sometimes when we have these questions about God or questions about the Bible or questions about church, we can get so consumed with these questions that we're not able to be focused on God. And so what I've done this week, and I talked to the staff earlier this week, and we put together the 10 most common questions, and I'm going to try to answer them. Now, have you ever gone to a restaurant and ordered food, and the food came and you thought, I ordered too much food? And you're like, oh my gosh, that's the way I feel today. Uh, I, I feel like I've got all these notes, and usually when I speak, I've got three pages of notes, and today, I, I mean, I don't even know how many pages of notes, so I'm not going to be able to get through all ten. I'm just telling you now. I, I think I got up to seven in the first service, so if you go out and you get the CD, you'll end up getting the first service, and then when you go home, you can see this service online. Um, so I'm going to do the best I can. Here's the top 10 questions uh, that we came up with. And I want to have a disclaimer real quick. Each one of these questions merits a whole sermon by itself. Each one of these questions, please hear me say this because you guys, uh, it's going to frustrate some of you because I'm only giving a sound bite for each of these questions. And these questions are so huge that I'm not going to be able to do any of them justice. All right? But I'm just going to just give each of you just a sound bite. And for many of you, the sound bite will be enough. And for those of you that it's not enough, I want to challenge you to do something incredibly courageous. Read a book. Hey, you know what's so fascinating to me is when people come up to me and they go, why, why do bad things happen to good people? Which I'm going to try to answer that today. Uh, I don't believe in God because there's no way a good God would allow evil in the world. And I want to say, I want, have you ever wanted to have a smart mouth? I want to say, have you, how many books have you read on that topic? That's what I want to say. 
And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be a smart mouth. Nobody likes a smart mouth. I want people to like Christians, and you're not going to like Christians if I'm a smart mouth. But I want to say, wait a minute. How many books have you read? So you've just been complaining about that your entire life, and you've never one time read a book? Because here's the deal. Jesus has been gone for over 2,000 years, and more than one person has had that thought, and a lot of people have written books about it. A lot. So... I'm just going to challenge you. If it piques your interest, go read a book. It is so easy. Let me tell you about something called the Internet. <laughs> you use your ring finger, and I'm getting too fast with the smart mouth, right? I need to pull it back. All right, so here we go. This is just, you just, this is just sound bites. So here we go. Number one, how much time do I got? All right, I got 36 minutes. The reason why I got a table here with two coffee cups is I'm imagining I'm able to sit down with an angel and ask these questions. This is one of them I would ask. Number one, the hard-to-believe stuff in the Bible. I'm, not gonna sp- I'm only going to spend three minutes on it or less than. A fiery bush. A fish that swallowed Jonah. Seriously? A fish swallowed a guy and then spat him up? Hold on a minute. Hold on. God walked in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve? Seriously? Seriously. God, the Red Sea parted? Are you kidding me right now? What do you do with all the things what do you do with all of them? It, this is how I would answer that. If you were talking to me, because I don't ever, my, my wife and I have been married for 13 years. Hey, my father-in-law is here. Hey, Lyle, I want you to stand up. Give, uh, give my father-in-law a round of applause. There he is. All the way from Vancouver, Canada. I, don't, I used to play golf with him, and then he caught me cheating, and now we don't play golf together anymore. <laughs> So I, I, my wife and I have been married for 13 years, and she can testify to this. We dated for two before that. I don't ever, 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 ever get into an argument about scriptures with anybody, ever, 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 ever. What about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? Because here's the thing. At the end of the day, the only thing that matters is whether or not you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So, absolutely. So this is how I respond. What about Jonah and the whale? What about that? This is how I said, you know, yeah, yeah, that's kind of hard to believe, I know. The only thing I know is that I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins and rose again. Yeah, I know the Red Sea, that's got to be really, really hard to believe. I know, I know. I just believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins and rose again. Wait a minute, wait a minute, you know, how did the Bible, there's 66 different authors, how can that be the word of God? I don't know, yeah, I know it's really hard to believe, I know it's hard to believe, I know it's hard to believe, but for me, for me, I believe that Jesus Christ died again and, and rose again on the third day. I believe he died for my sins and rose again. I talked to somebody the other day and I said, well, I pray to Mary, I pray to the Virgin Mary, I'm Catholic, I, I pray to the Virgin Mary. Um, are you okay with that? I said, actually, I'm not because I, I, I pray only to Jesus. Well, why do you pray only to Jesus? I've been praying to Mary my whole life. Well, you know, I don't really have all the answers, but I just believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins and rose again on the third day. 
What do you think about the holy water and being baptized? You know what? I don't have all the answers. I just believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins and rose again on the third day. So, so, so what do you think? I just believe Jesus Christ died for my sins and rose again on the third day. That is my answer right there. Now, in my parallel time, in my side time, I am studying the scriptures because it does fascinate me and I do want to know and it is the inspired word of God. But I recognize that my mind is a finite mind and I'm never going to understand everything. But the one thing that I have to understand is how to get to heaven. Are you with me? All right, I can't, I can't get any deeper into that. I feel like I need to, but I can't. So nobody come up to me and punch holes in my three-minute sermon, okay? Well, you missed this. Well, what about this? I know, I talked three minutes. Leave me alone. All right, point number two. What is the point of praying if God already knows what we're going to pray? Anyone ever think that? If I'm sitting down with an angel and I'm like, look, man, let's be honest. If God knows everything and he knows what I'm thinking, then why do I need to pray? I'm so, and then he would say back to me, I'm so glad you asked, you dumb idiot. No, he wouldn't say that. <laughs> I'm going to give you two reasons why we pray. The first reason why we pray is because God is not interested in being a judge or a ruler. He's interested in being a father. And in order to be a father, you have to have a relationship And so he wants you to talk to him, and he wants to talk to you. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, it says, Pray without ceasing. Pray is not a monologue. Pray is a dialogue. He wants to talk to you, and he wants you to talk to him back and forth. How would you like to have a kid that only came to your house and rang the doorbell and said, I'm hungry, I want a burrito? That's not what you're into. You're into a relationship. So why do we pray? Because he wants a relationship. Number two, everybody say number two. Because he wants to be invited into the situation that you're in. Now, if there's one mousetrap I get myself caught in every time my wife talks to me about an issue that she's having. For those of you that haven't met my wife, she's on the back row taking care of our little baby. Why don't you stand up, Allie? Hello, Allie. It's my girl. Now... Gentlemen, you guys will connect to this. When she comes home and she just tells me this big problem she has, what do I do? I fix it. Baby, this is what we need to do. We need to have a meeting. We need to talk to them. We need to call them here. I'll call them right now. And she goes, I don't want you to fix it. And I'm like, well, why are you telling me? She goes, I I just want you to listen to me and feel it. Oh, that must hurt, Allie. That must, that must really bother you. Can I just say that God is that times a million? He's not going to just come barging into your life and moving things around. Do you want him involved? The Bible says you have not because you, you didn't ask me. So, so next time uh, my wife and I are in that conversation, I'm just going to be like, And I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait. So what would you do? Well, this is what I would do right there. This is how God is. All right, let me go to the next one. Everyone say number three. Why does God allow evil in the world? I'm going to tackle this one in three minutes. Dear Lord, let's knock over a can of worms. 
Why does he? Okay, so here we go. Let's dive right into it. I talked about this about four weeks ago. So if you heard it four weeks ago, you're going to hear it again. Let's just pretend there is a big round red button. Here it is. No, it's a white button, but just imagine it's red. And you can press that red button and destroy all the evil people on the whole planet. Boom. And the angel says, dude, if you spill my coffee again, I'm going right back to heaven. I'm not dealing with you. He says, go ahead, press it. And you and I go. And then he says, whoa, 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 whoa. Before you press the button, let's talk a little bit about you. I read this quote the other day that when you meet somebody for the first time, you're not meeting them. You're meeting their representative. (laughs) Because the real them, cuckoo, cuckoo. I've said this before. Don't don't you wish all the the single ladies that... Uh, don't you wish guys that are single would wear a t-shirt and just say who they really are? I'm going to steal all your money. I'm a liar. I'm obsessive compulsive. I get jealous a lot. Don't you wish they'd just be so honest about the situation? But no, it takes like two years to get to know who they really are. But before you press the button, let's talk about who you really are. Let's talk about those seasons. Oh boy, we're going to go there. Let's talk about those seasons of life that you won't tell anybody about. Those are the dark ages. I could pay you $100,000 right now and you still won't tell me about those years. Pull your fingernails out. Mm, 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 mm. So here we go. Let's talk about your sins. Let's talk about the things that you think. Let's talk about the things that you say. Let's talk about the things that you've done. Let's talk about all the things that you've wanted to slip underneath the rug. Now, before you press the red button, what happens to you once you press the button? Do you, oh, oh, oh. So it's really not wanting to destroy all the evil. We want to decide what's evil. So we're going to take certain evil and say, these people die when I press the button, but these people don't. These sins demand death, but these sins don't. So we want to essentially be the judge. Is it possible? Is it possible that God has given all of these evil people the same opportunity to be enlightened as he gave you and I? Is that possible? Is that possible? Let's say, what is best case scenario? Best case scenario is that we have a world full of people that have free choice to choose, and everybody chooses to be nice and chooses to love. Isn't that the best case scenario? Well, that choice process is happening right now. People are choosing. The Bible says that there will be a day where he comes out of the clouds 
and his children will meet him in the sky, and those that are dead will rise again and go home with them, and there will be a big separation, and everybody that didn't follow him will be cast into forever darkness. And then the Bible says that he will make a new heaven and a new earth. Well, in that new earth, guess who's there? All the people who have chosen to love God, who's full of love and full of kindness, and then that is the opportune world that you and, all, you and I want. The law of process is always in effect. Now, I could talk for four more hours on this topic, but we're going on to the next one. Number four, why does God allow bad things to happen to his children? Anyone interested in that one, or should I just go to the next one? <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's mind-boggling to all of us. We pray, we worship, we go to church, and then bad things still happen to us. What the heck? Are you with me? Does this, are you guys, am I boring you? Is this good? All right, what the, what's up with that? I'm going to give you four reasons why real quick. Are you ready? Here's the reason why God allows bad things to happen to his children. To his children, believers. This is why we back up and we go, I don't understand why. I don't understand. I don't understand. Okay, you guys ready? Number one, possibility is your faithfulness. Is your faithfulness unwavering or attached to blessings? Is your faithfulness unwavering or attached to blessings? In the, in, in the book of Job, Satan came before God. God looked at Satan and said, what have you been doing? Satan said, I've been walking back and forth throughout the entire earth looking for people to devour. I've been looking for people to destroy their life. God said back to Satan, have you considered going to Job's house? Have you considered destroying Job's life? And Satan said back, oh yeah, oh yeah, I've considered it, but I can't. Because you have a hedge of protection around him and I can't get close to him. But if you were to lift that hedge, I would prove to you, he doesn't love you for who you are. He loves you for what you give him. Read it for yourself. God backed up and said, I don't believe that. I believe he loves me for who I am. Not because of the blessings that I give him. He goes, let's, let's find out. He lifts the hedge and he says, you can go to his house and you can mess with him. You can do whatever you want, but you can't kill him. So there's certain rules in place. So he lifts the hedge and here comes Satan and the worst imaginable things happen. Boom, boom. I mean, the worst people in his family were dying. He lost everything. He got sick. He got boils on his arms. And so all of a sudden, Satan is watching. And God is watching because everybody wants to know. Do you love God because he protects you and he blesses you? Or do you love God if he never does anything else for you good again? And so... That's possibility number one, is your faithfulness. We're looking to see how much you love him and why do you love him. Number two, there is a degree of intimacy that takes place during difficult seasons that can't be duplicated any other way. 
Let me illustrate. Elijah was praying for rain in the Old Testament. He sat down, he put his head between his knees, and he started praying for rain. Now, rain was incredibly important in those days, just like it is today, but incredibly important in those days because it had everything to do with, uh, with livestock and animals, which was their main source of income. So he sat down, put his head between his knees, and he said, dear God, let it rain. Dear God, let it rain. Please, God, let it rain. That would be equivalent to you saying, dear God, I need a sale. Dear God, I need a job. Dear God, I need a financial breakthrough. So he's going, please, God, please, God, please, God. So his servant comes walking up and he says, go and see if there's any clouds in the sky. He comes back and says, I see no clouds. He keeps on praying. Dear God, please, I love you. I worship you. I praise you. You're my God. Whether you, whether you let it rain or not, I'm going to keep on worshiping you. Hey, you, Fred. Go out there and see if there's any, no clouds? Okay. Dear God, I love you. I worship you. I praise you. I need some clouds. I need some water. Hey, Fred, check. No, no. Okay, great. Dear God, please, in Jesus' name, I love you. I love you. I love you. Comes back seven times. Now, the Bible doesn't say it was seven times in one day. It could have been seven times over a course of a year. And then all of a sudden, Fred, the servant, comes back and says, hey, uh, there's a, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elijah says, tell everybody, get out of this city. There's about to be a flood. The king gets on a horse. He was a whipping and a riding. He's riding a horse to get out of town. Elijah comes out of his bedroom from praying and starts running. And passes the horse. Me, me, gone. Now, let me ask you a question. Which part of that story do we enjoy the most? We love it when God comes through, don't we? But let me ask you a question. When was Elijah's relationship closest to God? While he was running? Or while he was in the heat of it? Worshiping God. Isn't God just like you and I? Doesn't he like the process? I'm looking at my oldest daughter who's 10 years old and I'm so excited that she's 10. She's, she's growing up. But I'm going, oh man, slow down. Because I love the process. Aren't we the same way? Let's keep going. This is possibility number three. The strength of God is demonstrated during difficult seasons. If you read the Bible, you'll read about thousands of miracles of people getting healed. What if nobody needed to get healed? No miracles. So God's way of showing his strength, the Bible says this in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse number 9, that he looks around for faithful people that refuses to quit. It is so easy to quit, isn't it? You just look around and go, oh, the church is full of people that are fake, so I'm not going there. Well, that was a nice little easy way to quit. There's thousands of ways to quit. But when God finds somebody who's faithful, he shows his strength in their life. So why do bad things happen? This is an opportunity to show his strength. Number four, possibility on why God allows bad things to happen. And this is the part that we just got to learn to live with. We have finite minds. 
And the Bible says this in Isaiah chapter 55. My ways are not like your ways. Period. I do not do things the way you do them. Can I say that again? God does not do things the way you do them. God does not think the way you and I think. Period. Well, I think it doesn't matter what you think because God doesn't think like you think. In fact, what God is, is so big, he's so huge, he's got so much going on. That can I just say that sometimes when bad things are happening to good people, there are dynamics and variables that we just do not know about. And this is an opportunity for us to back up and figure out, what do you believe? Let me show you how big God is. Take a look at this video. First of all, this is the earth. Okay, just, just, you're taking off from the earth from Southern California, and we're going we're gonna to rise up for a little bit here. We're going to pull higher. Now, this is at about 10 kilometers. Like, if you climb Mount Everest, this is what you'd see. You'd see the curvature of the earth from that distance. Now, you're gonna, we're going to climb up even higher. This is at 100 kilometers, and you're a fourth of the way to the space station now. This is what you'd see. If you get to this level, you're considered an astronaut. Just... If you ever get there. Okay, now we're going 100,000 kilometers. 100,000 kilometers from the Earth. You're a fourth of the way to the moon. That's what the Earth would look like. Now we're going to pull away to a million kilometers. At a million kilometers, there's the moon. Okay, there's the moon. You can barely see the Earth. You're at a million kilometers now. You're past the, past the moon. And uh, now we're going to go to 100 million kilometers. 100 million kilometers, you're still not to the sun. The sun's 93 million miles away. But now we're going to go to 10 trillion kilometers. Ten, there's the sun. Okay. You just passed the sun. Now you would see all of the planets at 10 trillion kilometers. And now we're at 10 to the 15th power. That means 10 with 15 zeros. I don't know what that number is. 15 zeros. And the sun's just like a bright dot amidst other stars. And now we're going to 10 light years away. Zoom, there you go. 10 light years away. Now you just see the sun with like 11 other stars that are kind of its neighbors. You know, that, 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 that's our sun. And now we're going to go 1,000 light years away. At 1,000 light years away, you, you wouldn't even see our sun anymore. These are just a bunch of stars close to it in this cluster inside the Milky Way. Now we're going to zoom out even further and that's the Milky Way we live in. See that cluster of stars? Those are about 100,000 stars that are closest to our sun. You can't see our sun anymore at this point. Now this is our Milky Way galaxy, and forget about the Earth. Okay, there's our Milky Way galaxy that we live in. Um, and we're just buried in there somewhere. And we're going to pull out even further, and you'll see that our galaxy is actually, it's, it's a big galaxy, and... Uh, and all those other things you're seeing now are galaxies. And we're going to pull away 10 million light years now. His next scene is 10 million light years. Those are all galaxies you see amidst our Milky Way, several hundred galaxies. Now we're going to go 100 million light years away. This is the last one. We're going to zoom out to 100 million light years. Those are all clusters of galaxies. Galaxies and clusters of galaxies. You won't even see our Milky Way galaxy anymore amidst that. We don't have telescopes that go beyond that little sphere there. 
I know that we would love to believe that everything revolves around us. But to God, it's a perfect puzzle and everything makes sense. It's a very narcissistic belief to say that our opinion and our thoughts and what we think should happen, should happen. Look, here's the deal. God is God. And let me blow your mind. you want me to blow your mind? If that didn't blow your mind, this scripture will blow your mind. Paul said this. In him, in God, we live and breathe and find our being. So in him, we are in him, like I said a couple weeks ago, like fish in a water. We are in him. We live and breathe and find our being. That means that cluster of stars, those galaxies, in him. God is so big. He's so phenomenal. It's it's mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. All that, or you can believe that it was just an accident. That's your other option. Watch this. Um, The Bible, number five. Why do we believe that Jesus is coming back soon? Isn't this good? Why do we believe that Jesus is coming back soon? Because for 2,000 years, people have been waiting and anticipating Jesus coming back anytime, right? For 2,000 years. Why do we really think that Jesus is coming back soon? Why? Three reasons why. Number one is that there's certain things in this Bible that show us that this Bible is the Word of God. Okay? Let me give you one example of a billion. Um, In the Old Testament, and I believe it's in the book of Psalms, it reads like this. That water comes down, waters the earth, and returns to the clouds, and comes down again to water once more. Did you guys hear what I just said? Now, these people were trying to figure out how flip-flops work. They didn't have iPhones. They didn't have computers. They didn't have cars. They're riding on a donkey and camel. But yet, they, de- they describe what we now know to be the hydraulic cycle. Now, how do you know that? How do you know that? That's just one because I got to go on to my next question here. So I can't spend the time and just keep going down all of them. That's just one. How do you know that? Let me just share another thought real quick. In Matthew chapter 24, this is one of those things where I say, oh, have you read anything? Have you read anything or is this just your opinion you pulled out of thin air? Have you read anything? Oh, you haven't read anything. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Oh, I got to tell you guys a quick story. Do I have time? I went to London last week to go speak at another church. And uh, I was sitting there at dinner. And this has to do with my, 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 uh, my sermon, by the way. I'm sitting there at dinner and uh, all these people from England are talking. We're talking back and forth. And, uh, and I said, just out of curiosity... When you guys think of Americans, what do you think of? <laughs> and she go, so they all start laughing. They're like, are you serious? You want us to tell you? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. My flight is in a few hours. I'll get out of here. And if, if it's real bad, I'll just have some wine and get over it. And so <laughs> I'm just kidding. And so uh, they said, well, when we think of Americans, this is one person talking. She goes, when, when we think of Americans, we think about how much you guys love fast food and hamburgers. And they all start laughing. And I'm like, really? Like hamburgers? And so uh, 
like, that's what you think when you think about Americans? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what we think. And, and I'm like, okay. So I, I said, have you ever been to America? Oh, yeah, when I was a kid, I went to Miami once. And when I was a kid, I went to, to uh, New York once. I was like, oh, okay. But have you ever, do you know any Americans? No, just you. Have you ever lived in America? No. So what do you know about America? Well, we watch the news a lot. Oh, okay. So, so Americans eat hamburgers. <laughs> and you know this because when you were a kid, you went to Miami once and you went to New York once and you watched the news. I'm like, oh, okay. And so I changed the subject. Why? Because they're so far out there, I don't have enough time to go get them. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're too far out there. How many times do you talk to somebody and they talk about the Bible, they talk about church, and they talk about God, and they talk about Jesus, and you're like, have you, when was the last time you've been to church? Well, I went a couple times when I was a kid. Okay. Do you, um, have you ever, like, try, have you ever lived it? Have you ever read it? No. So, so you don't read it. Um, but you saw somebody on the news or your neighbor who was a jerk, so all of them were, were all nuts. Yeah. Okay. You're so far out there, I don't have time to come get you. Now watch this. There's something called Matthew 24 for the people that would actually like to open up the Bible and give it a shot. In Matthew 24, there is a checklist of all the things that has to happen before Jesus comes back. Take out your pen and go down the list. Check, 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 check. Now, for somebody that says, those things have been happening forever, it actually says that a few of these things are going to be happening all the time. Crazy things happen when you read, I'm telling you. But this is the first time where they're all happening all at the same time. That's number two. Here's number three. Everyone, heard, raise your hand if you've heard of this Mark of the Beast, 666, right? For those of you, that this is your first time in church. The Bible says that in the last days, right before Jesus comes back, there's going to be this evil network, this evil power that's going to put 666, the Mark of the Beast, on people's right hand and forehead. Now, when I was a kid, I grew up thinking people are going to walk around with the tattoo and and, and tattoo 666 uh, or, or put a chip in your hand or something like that. And as soon as I saw my dog get a chip, if he gets lost, I'm like, it's coming. Well, <laughs> it, it's not like that at all, actually. It, it's not like that at all. Have you ever realized that you're dumb at, at any point? You're like, oh, man, I feel so stupid. Well, it's not like that at all. This is actually what it's like. Take a look at this. Good day. A former Islamic terrorist, named Walid Shubat, who has become a born-again Christian, has discovered a connection, between the name of Allah, and the 666. He explains that the Greek letters, XES, which John wrote in Greek, are actually the Arabic phrase, Bishmillah, which means, in the name of Allah. He says that what John saw, were actually Arabic letters, which John could not read, but which bore a resemblance to the Greek alphabet in which John wrote. 
it would have been pointless to write symbols of another language, which could not be read by the Greek readers of Revelation. So it is very possible that the Arabic Bishmillah is indeed what John saw and recorded in Greek letters. The first symbol of 666 are the Muslim crossed swords, the X character, a symbol of Islam and Jihad, which are often used by Muslims on flags and military symbols. Notice the handles on the swords. The middle, E, symbol, is an Islamic symbol called Bishmillah, Arabic for Allah. Or, in the name of Allah. When you turn the Bishmillah on its side and place it in a mirror, it forms the same middle Greek character, as written by John. Notice the line drawn, above Allah. And the hook, on its end. The line, it is part of the word Allah, it is not an underline. Notice the same hook in the line drawn by John. It matches the line, in the name Allah exactly. The third character is the Greek character stigma, which means mark, or badge of servitude. The Greek XES or 666, has been noted not just in the Bishmillah, but also in the Shahada, which is the Islamic confession of faith, which is what the Quran states, will be written on the badge of servitude, on the Day of Judgment. The XES, has also been noted, on an Islamic Chechen flag, which bears the crossed swords and the name Alu Akbar, meaning God is greater. This flag bears a striking resemblance to the Greek XES, as written by John. Even bearing the line, above the letter E, in the name, Allah. It has also been noted, that in the Arabic calligraphy form, the name, Alu Akbar, contains three sixes which can be clearly seen. During Salah, Muslim prayers, the name, Allahu Akbar, is repeated constantly and is recited, exactly 111 times per day, for six days, which equals 666. And during Friday prayer, Muslims recite, Allahu Akbar, only 98 times. Therefore a direct connection, between the name, Allahu Akbar and the number 666 can be perceived. The Bible speaks about taking the mark, on the forehead or right hand. It has been pointed out, that Muslims are already wearing marks, on their foreheads and arms, as Islamic banners of protest, and jihad. So Muslims have already been conditioned to take the mark, as a symbol of their belief. The Greek word sharagma, used for mark, means a stamp, an imprinted mark. So a follower of the Antichrist, will have a stamp on their body, or on some form of badge, to be placed on the forehead or arm. In John's time, the use for sharagma was reserved for slaves in what was called, a badge of servitude. So, it's a badge, that declares slavery, and ownership by the master. And his followers, use it to demonstrate allegiance to this master. This would fit Islam, since according to Islamic theology, Muslims are slaves of Allah. And Islam is the religion of, submission. Take a look at the many different Islamic headbands, which have been created, for a Muslim to wear, as a sign of their faith. There is a very interesting headband, which actually has the XES written on it, with crossed swords. They call it, the Shahid, headband. Amazingly the Strong's Hebrew Dictionary, tells us exactly what the name Allah, really means. The name Allah is actually the Hebrew word, for curse, or oath. Well, there's two possibilities. Possibility one, this is 
a wild coincidence. Or possibility number two. This part of the rope is just about over. It's just about over. And it's my assignment in life to tell you, please, I am, this is, I'm not trying to wax eloquent here. Please, be laser focused on pursuing your relationship with Jesus Christ. Be laser focused, number two, on getting your family in the house of God. And number three, Jesus needs you and I to not pursue him by ourselves, but to find people who don't know him and to bring them to church bring them in here because this is a great community of believers it's an encouraging community get them in here let us encourage them but this part of our life is coming to a close and I want to close with this thought right here it's in 1st Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 and 2 it says this The Spirit clearly says that in the latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars, watch this, whose consciences have been seared with a hot iron. That people will abandon the faith and their conscience has been seared. When your conscience is seared, that means you no longer feel bad. You no longer feel bad. You no longer feel the pull of righteousness like that's it's not right that's that's wrong you don't feel that anymore and if that's you I want you to know that is the scariest place that you could ever ever be so I'll stand our feet for me please last week in London I was naturally at a hotel and I was laying in the bed and I asked myself the question that I ask each of you every week I laid there in bed and I said Frankie I didn't say it out loud I just thought it to myself I said if your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes are you ready to see Jesus and you know what my answer was no like I'm not ready I'm not ready and I just let my heart pour out and I started telling the Lord all the things that I'm sorry for. And I just want to be transparent. One of the things that I had to say sorry for is I feel like as a pastor, I have not done a good job telling you 
that Jesus is coming back very soon. And so with your accountability, I'm going to do my best to get a lot better at that. But I just began to let my heart pour out in the bed in in the hotel room. I just told the Lord all the things I was sorry for. And I, I tell you, I went to sleep. I slept like a baby. There's nothing like feeling forgiven. I just went back to sleep. So let me ask you the same question that I asked myself. If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, are you ready to see Jesus Christ? If the answer is no, I'm going to ask you to be courageous. Usually it's I make it a little bit more private, but not today. I'd like for you to come out of your seat and come all the way down here and let me pray with you. And you can come out of your seat at any moment, at any time. And I just want to hold your hand and I want to pray with you. Is there anybody here that I can pray with?